Um, I don't know, maybe a small little template to say, okay, this is a, I know the Cafe Cal, they have a website and they try to give you a step-by-step -step thing, but at some point it doesn't go as much as I would uh, love it to. I don't know if that makes sense. Oh, the Cafe Cal, the Chamber of Commerce. Uh, for yeah, yeah, yeah. Listeners. I think my magic wand will eliminate all the bureaucracy and start over again. And they're trying. <laughs> no, but they're trying. Like, uh, and that's not so much for entrepreneurship, but for um, toeslagen. How do you call that? Um, uh, people who get additional support. Yeah, like if the, the housing. They they, they want to yeah. get. Yeah, I don't know how to explain it, but they want to eliminate those and start from a base that is, and then um, they can't okay. do it. They want to eliminate the the allow the benefits from the central government because it's too complex. So they want to have a less complex system where people get the benefits automatically instead of having to apply for it or something like that. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this wonderful podcast all about refugees and entrepreneurship in the Netherlands. I'm excited. I hope you are as well. We're going to have some fabulous and wonderful discussions about what's working, what's not working. And I have two wonderful guests. The first guest that I have is Anne Cassano, the director of the World Makers Foundation. And has worked with a lot of migrants in the past few years. How many years has it been, Anne? Uh, I started working on asylum policy since 2008 and then with actual people since 2015. Oh, nice. Nice. <laughs> welcome. Welcome. Lovely Thank you. To have you here. Yeah. And my other guest is Karine Nyhoff. I hope I say it both correctly. Beautiful. Beautiful. <laughs> and you are, Karen, you are a researcher <clears throat> at the Hoha School in The Hague. I cannot pronounce the Dutch word. May you please say it for me? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the Haagse Hogeschool. Ah, the Haagse Hogeschool. Okay. Yeah, or the Hague University of Applied Sciences. In English. Uh, oh, nice. English. Nice. Thank you. Welcome. Welcome. Pleasure Thank to have you. you here as well. <laughs> I'll start with you, Karain. How long have you been working in this field of researching entrepreneurship in, with migrants? Um, long time. Um, yeah. I have to dig back. I guess uh, I did my PhD on uh, labor market participation and migration. And as part of labor market participation, I also looked at entrepreneurship. So, so that was, <laughs> say, around 2000 that that started. But to really focus on entrepreneurship and the Dutch labor market and Dutch migration to the Netherlands is more recent, say, around 2015. Um, but it's always been kind of part of my uh, research because I always look at labor market participation of newcomers in the Netherlands in this case. Oh, that's an interesting angle that you brought in with labor market participation, actually. Um, I'm actually very curious. Uh, how has it been in the research? What findings have been there? 
because I know that uh, there are quite some barriers to accessing the labor market for, for migrants. Yeah, yeah. And then, then it's, it's different for different migrant groups. And then, then we already start labeling, which is something I don't like, but it is handy because with the labels come certain rights and privileges. And so if you look at refugees, there are different conditions in the Netherlands that they have, sorry, <clears throat> have to qualify for. So they have to do an integration course. They have to learn the language, um, but they also get support from the municipality as compared to, for example, uh, intra-EU migrants. So people migrating from within the EU where they are treated as, e or they not treated, they are EU citizens. And so there is no support system, but yet they are much more um, migrating for specific labor market sections. So it's a very different pattern, different reasons, different context of reception as, as you can also call it. And you also see that, for example, right now for Ukrainians who are uh, labeled by some as refugees, but they are in displaced persons. And again, there's different rights and, and possibilities um, for, so it's important to look at different groups and different conditions of the group, but also of the receiving society. I see. Well, so I can't give you one answer. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, that's uh, well, that was a wide ranging answer, actually. Um, so I would like to ask that um, in your findings, which uh, you mentioned the labels, and of course, yeah, they, they, they pop up a lot in, in different sections of the press. Um, we do see that. Uh, Ukrainians are finding it easier uh, to, to access the labor market compared to other re refugees in particular. Some people are calling Ukrainians refugees, some are not. Um, I saw in the press a few weeks ago that almost uh, 60,000 Ukrainians were able to find jobs in the labor market. So um, I don't know. Yeah, but it's interesting. Eh? They are allowed. Refugees are not allowed to work the first six months after arrival, mm -hmm. and that uh, exclusion is not the case for Ukrainians. So now there's voices like, "Can we please lift that uh, barrier for other refugees?" Um, yeah. Because we see in the group, in the Ukrainian group, that access to labor market is much more, yeah, much easier, and people can start working much faster. Uh, I don't know much, I must say, much about what's going on with the Ukrainian um, refugees, uh, and especially not with um, entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. I understand. I haven't heard much about that. I understand. I can imagine that entrepreneurship in general is something that is not easy on its own because it's an added wall of of things to do in terms of building a business from the ground up can refugees be entrepreneurship should they even be <laughs> or it's just easier to go into the labor market as it is both and, and everybody you know we're all yeah <laughs> with the risk of sounding cheesy we're all humans and we all have our own qualities and competencies so for some, entrepreneurship is much more, a much better option, and, and for others, labor market participation is a better option. Refugees or other types of migrants as well. But because we're all different and because we all have our own qualities, we should really uh, try to yeah, use, is a very economic and utilitarian word, but use those qualities to find a good fit for a person in the new society. And I say it broader than labor market only. Ah, I see. Can I well, add something to that, Jeremy? Yes, yes, please add. Um, yeah, if refugees sh should be entrepreneurs, I know we talked about, you and I, we talked about this before too. Um, I mean, I've met people who, 
um, who are really in their country of origin, in their home country. They have started up businesses. They have a lot of experience. Uh, they've had experience abroad as entrepreneurs. Uh, yeah. So you meet people who are just like entrepreneurs it's in their bloods almost and then I've met people that um, that have a kind of profession that in the Netherlands you would do as a freelancer yeah. and it is maybe slightly different to make the choice like oh I'm going to be an entrepreneur I'm going to look what's you know missing in the market and do something or I have a profession and the way that the market in the Netherlands is organized here I would do this as a freelancer and for example it's you know journalists they used to be hired at um, employed by um, newspapers now they're more and more freelance um, musicians used to be employed by big orchestras. Now they're all freelance. Artists are freelance. Designers are freelance. So especially like more and more, the market has developed in a way that uh, people have to start in a freelance position. Artisans that we work with, they would have to, one, be able to design their own stuff and they would have to go freelance. So the way it's organized, um, it, yeah. it leaves very little choice if you want to have a certain kind of profession. Yeah. And, and I also meet artists from the Netherlands who just want to be artists and they don't care about all the entrepreneurship, freelance, yeah. making money stuff, but they have to do it as well. And I have to say, they're not necessarily more suited than people with a refugee status. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but there it is. Yeah. yeah, it makes sense. I understand. So from your point of view, and you've worked more with artists who are entrepreneurs rather than in... Uh, well, of course, art is also business as well. Okay, let me put it this way how business-like have been artists that you've worked with? Do they qualify as entrepreneurs or they also fell into being artists who don't focus too much about profits? Um, I just read the book over the weekend that just made that um, division. You have the real entrepreneurs and then you have the people that just have to do it and most artists I meet that's mm -hmm. definitely not their first that's not where their mind goes their mind goes to the developing their art their work and that makes sense and yeah, yeah because like, most artists were not so business-minded <laughs> no and what we've noticed, what we've stressed a lot, because you asked how difficult it is for people who come here as a refugee, I think the hard part is um, developing a network. Uh, because also, for example, our colleagues at Body Film Foundation, what they do eminently well mm. is to provide a network like they're actors themselves uh, they know the film world they know the professional codes they know the people and that's really a thing and you also when we talk to Dutch artists here they said like well when I started out from university I started as a um, as a freelancer and I just took any kind of jobs to be able to see what's out there, the kind of things that I like to kind of, uh, was it, find my feet and mm -hmm. to build a network. And then slowly they thought like, oh, I really like this and I wor like working with those people and I like those kind of assignments. So they would look more and more for those kind of assignments. So slowly they would focus on one thing as opposed to the other. So you cannot start cold as no. an artist you can't just start say here are my paintings please buy them the, the network is really important and I, and I think to add to that i think that's not just for artists i think that's for 
almost any entrepreneur, if you don't have a community, if you don't have a network, you're not going anywhere. You, 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 you don't have a market, you don't have input, uh, you don't have support. So I think it's, it's not just for artists that the networks are very important, it's for all entrepreneurs and especially uh, newcomers, newcomers. In, in, in the country that of course don't have a network build up from day one that they're born. They have to rebuild a network and a community upon arrival. All right, Karan, in your experience, how challenging or perhaps easy has it been for studies that you've done for migrants, refugees in particular, to actually build those networks from the, rebuild those networks from the ground up? Hard. <laughs> to give you a very short answer. Um, no, and, and the difficulty is, um, how do you support people in building networks? Ah. As, a, as a municipality, the focus is on business plans. Like a viable uh, enterprise is built upon a business plan. And, and it's really hard to see a network or a community in a business plan. And I think that's that's a very important hurdle. Like how can you support people in building that network and building that community so they have a support system and a market. That's been, yeah, that's really difficult and it needs time and, and municipalities don't have time. They, they yeah. want people to start working, which also makes sense. So it's a very difficult uh, balance and process. Um, for yeah. All parties yeah. in. Yeah, that's true. I like how you phrased it, that it's hard. I loved it. You said it's hard to see a community in a business plan, which I think is actually brilliant because for a municipality, they just want people to be able to sustain themselves and be able to pay their rent on time. Yeah. Yeah. And at the same time, somebody's going to school, doing integration and all the immigration processes on the side. Um, how would you say municipalities can play a bigger role or better role? Are there things that they have to change in their approach? Uh, difficult because it's really dependent also on the municipalities municipalities are political mm -hmm. so some municipalities don't offer any support and say we don't work with uh, specific target groups we treat everybody as equal mm -hmm. which sounds really nice but uh, equality and equity in outcomes are of course not the same yeah uh, and some municipalities really try to play into the questions of the newcomer and then to support the newcomer with um, programs in English, with programs more focused on community. But it's difficult because all municipalities have that job to get people to work, to, you know, the simple bookkeeping that a municipality has to do um, to get people out of welfare and into the labor market. Yeah, and that, and that's that's a very economic mindset um, that makes it hard to provide for long term support, community building, network building, etc. Mm -hmm. nice. But some municipalities are more focused on that, so that's nice. nice. Yeah, uh, and I'll bring you in. Same question: it, Have you dealt with any municipalities? I'm sure you have. How challenging has it been for the World Makers Foundation? Is the municipality able to understand that your organization is trying to build a network for the number of people that you support? Um, are you able to get through to them, man? Or it's a work in progress? I have to take a deep breath for that question. Um, <laughs> You know, the interesting thing is when you when I talk to people at municipalities, we all want the same thing. We want people mm -hmm. to be able to start a business. Mm -hmm. And yet somehow 
at the end of the line, we end up with results that nobody wants. So mm. how did we get there? Mm -hmm. um, I know I talked to people that started as an entrepreneur that feel afraid to get in touch with the municipality because oh. they have a history of dealing with the END and the municipality and they feel mm -hmm. um, often blocked in what they want to do. Mm -hmm. So, the, yeah, the, the trust issue is one thing. And then trust. it's also what Karijn says, that different municipalities have different approaches. We deal with the one in Amsterdam. Mm -hmm. um, they have a program called Start Your Business. Um, what I said, some people are afraid to follow the course there because they don't know they're afraid they're going to lose their benefits. Yeah. Like people that talk to me, they say like, listen, I know the benefits mm -hmm. are not much. I don't want to stay there, mm -hmm. but for now it is a safe place. It's mm -hmm. a very narrow, safe place, but I can just make it there. And I'm just afraid if I make one step, I don't know if there's going to be another stepping stone or I'm just going to fall down. And I'm not sure if the municipality will provide a stepping stone or will just drag me down. So the regulations and the support that we put out there is not always experienced in the way that we intend. There is this dissonance this, uh, the, between what we want and between the experience. And well, uh -huh. yeah. Well, quick question about that. If somebody was to do a course with the municipality, for example, like you say, start your own business, then how and why, if you are aware, why would they lose their benefits as well? Since it was something that the municipality offers as well. Um, the, the thing is that if you, if you, when you go off benefit, or if you say like, listen, I want to go do a new thing, you, mm -hmm. you rock the boat, you take a step. Mm -hmm. So it means you, you don't lose your benefits. The regulation is you don't lose your benefits while you are in the program. The program also, I think it has definitely great things. Like they help you they don't just help you get a business uh, plan. They also help you start. So you start helping, uh, start having small assignments. Like basically you're already going into the water and yeah. feeling what the temperature is and how you can start to swim and you have some support. And then afterwards, when they think like, okay, this might be viable, you have to move into the babysit, I think, Karen. <laughs> Help me if I say something wrong, <laughs> which is benefits for um, entrepreneurs. Oh. It's, a, it's, a, it's a arrangement where you're allowed to start your business, but you keep your welfare benefits for a while. I'm not sure about anymore about, I think it was for a limited period that you have a starting period without losing your welfare benefits. Yeah. And so that's that's not just for refugee. It's a general. Uh, yeah, that's a yeah. arrangement. Yeah. Oh, that's good to know. I've never heard of that one. Benefits for starting your own business. Very good. It is it. And no, it's it, it's 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 different. But, um, or something along those lines. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it would be wise to contact uh, a, a local municipality to ask if they have something like that. It's, it's national. Every municipality oh, should have it. But of course, then you get another, some small municipalities don't really know much about it because they have so few people that want to use that arrangement. And okay. municipalities as Amsterdam have a lot, lot more knowledge about it because they have a lot more people trying to get out of welfare by starting their own business. I yeah. understand. So, so one, there is like a whole thing to get of your normal benefits to the 
baby set benefits. It's a whole administrational thing and it has to be approved. And then you're there. And like I've heard stories of people that had started a company and it was going great and they were on BBZ benefits and they thought like, oh, I don't, um, I'm going to get a second round of investment in between. I won't have money, but I will be able to have one month of benefits. Mm. That doesn't work. So it is so complex that people, they don't really know where they start. And then you cannot claim benefits unless you sell the company. Oh. So that person had to sell the company. So there are, on paper, it all makes sense. It looks great. But then when you start to hear the difference experiences with this whole line of regulations then you notice like oh this doesn't fit here the stepping stone is not there here there is that doesn't work it and also it depends on the people you're dealing with that some people they say like oh you know i'm flexible or maybe they don't know about certain regulations you know everybody's human yeah and then you can then suddenly you think like, oh, I thought there was a stone here and there's not, and then you, or there is a wall and then you drop or you smack into the wall. Ah, yeah. I understand. Uh, uh, Karain, do you have experiences with municipalities from the Den Haag side perhaps? Are they approachable or it's also another set of pre-calls. I can imagine there's a lot of administration, lots of paperwork, lots of things to yeah. read and understand. No, every municipality has a lot of paperwork, <laughs> a lot of bureaucracy <laughs> and, and complexity. And some municipalities uh, have more arrangements than others. And like Amsterdam has more arrangement and the special program in English, but you still see all the hurdles. As Anne says, it's it's also the individual um, case manager. Some know more, can do more. Some have less uh, experience. It's changing case managers and um, because they're employees, so they switch jobs. And, and with that switching of jobs, all knowledge uh, yeah. and expertise will disappear. So it's it's, the, the enormous complexity of the bureaucracy is even complexer because of human aspects, because of small and larger municipalities, because of so many factors um, that make it really difficult. And for some, it works great, and then they can find their way and, and, and can start a business. But especially for the, the smaller businesses, uh, it's much harder. Yeah. Are there perhaps uh, at academic level, uh, Karain, uh, initiatives where maybe business studies students or PhD candidates sort of uh, have a body system? Uh, I know Anne mentioned the Body Film Foundation for for uh, artists who are into film, maybe something in the academic sector where business practitioners or students take a, an upcoming business in their wing for study perhaps, if not just to support it on the side. Yeah, yeah, I think there are programs, but that's, that's not national or municipal, that's then an individual uh, support program that organizes uh, okay. st- students that, come and support and think along and and mentor or buddy. And of course you had, but um, different organizations, business organizations that would support starting refugees. But of course, not every business person is a good mentor. Uh, You can be an excellent business person or uh, entrepreneur, but still you have to, you know, yeah. Support somebody who's completely new, who maybe speaks a different language and, and has maybe a complete different approach. And and how can you, you know, teach somebody if you're just if you if you're solely an entrepreneur? 
yeah so that makes it it's a it's a balance it's searching for the right connection yeah and so for someone who wants to start a business um i can imagine they need a business plan or maybe not in your experience is it something needed <laughs> yes and no the paper, okay you're not the first person to say yes and no actually <laughs> it's, it's, it's a it's a paper reality and you know on paper it can be beautiful or on paper it can be horrible but you don't know uh the practice if somebody doesn't speak the language and they're still learning dutch and has to write a business plan in dutch yeah you can see there might be an issue there even though it could be a fantastic uh idea but to get it in the dutch setting in in the dutch language uh is a whole different step that might not have anything to do with the quality of the business. Ah. We had a meet, yeah, we had a meeting with a Dutch fashion designer who's and we asked her how she started. And that was the woman that said, like, well, you know, I started freelancing and then I started building my own brands and then I did this and I did this. And she was now on her seventh year. And she said, two years ago, I made a business plan. Wow. <laughs> because okay. so basically, and we also notice that people come to us, uh, mm. people with a refugee background that have done courses and they say, I have a business plan. Here it is. Mm. And now what? Mm. So it, it feels a bit like getting your I don't know your 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 certificate of swimming while you're on dry land, and now you have to jump in the water. Yeah. And we've been using it, and it's it's a nice way to reflect on things that you have to be aware of. Mm -hmm. But I think it's really a good idea to get started small scale, like mm -hmm. don't borrow twenty thousand euros. Twenty thousand, yeah. Who? <laughs> and start you know a big big thing start small scale and see what you come up against like the smaller the better and then mm -hmm. um because if you start big then you definitely need a business plan because you need a loan and you need a bank and there are all all kind of risks involved and I think also what organizations should do is to make people aware of businesses can fail mm -hmm. and a lot of them do. Mm -hmm. And what happens if they do? Because again, Netherlands is very um, bureaucratic. So mm -hmm. you need to go through all kinds of obligations uh, to close down your business in a good way. And yeah, I think people should be also really aware of that. Speaking of the bureaucrats, that's exactly where I was going. Just exactly what is there from Chamber of Commerce and the big taxation. We are smack in the middle of taxation season. Does somebody <laughs> do entrepreneurs need accountants? I don't know, maybe consultants that they should hire to help them figuring out how the bureaucracy starts from all the way from the top, from the bottom, going all the way up. Anybody needs that. I need it. Yeah. Okay. And accountants. Accountants. I bet it doesn't come cheap, maybe. Um. Like it's for people who start, it is also very diverse. Like we have this idea of a refugee entrepreneur that is like one kind of person starting one kind of business, which is of mm. course not the case. Mm -hmm. So one, not every training program will work for every person mm -hmm. uh, because some are so experienced, they can basically give the training programs. Yeah. And for some it's way too hard and they will mm -hmm. need more support. So that's what you mentioned, Karina, about equity. 
Yeah. Um, and I was just reading this morning an article from the Institute of Public Ware. It's just like, yeah, we have to adapt things for the vulnerables, the most vulnerable among us. Mm-hmm. So, sorry, this was not your question, Jeremy. <laughs> no, but, yeah. Basically, yes, I want to say there is, there is such a diversity of help that people need, and it depends what kind of business you start, and it depends what kind of um, business phase you're in. Like I help people with writing business proposals with the language, with text for their website, with proposals for uh, funding, Mm -hmm. again, with the language, um, with um, how to write a budget, where to find funding, Mm -hmm. um, investors. Investors. (laughs) Investors. <laughs> if you want to start a BV, um, you have to, and you have to make a contract with your co-founder. You need a lawyer to look at that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so at some point, you need lawyers. You need the right kind of lawyers. Uh, you need a notary. You need money to pay for yeah. that. So you need a lot of different services and inputs for different kind of businesses for different kind of people. Mm-hmm. So basically what I would say, um, yeah, the, the kind of support that is necessary is it has to be much more varied. It can't yeah. just be, oh, everybody has to write a business plan and then everybody's going to be okay. Yeah. Oh, in, yes, Karel, you may jump in. I was going to ask. Yeah, no, yeah. I totally to try to be quiet a bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, but I, I completely agree with that. It's it's so diverse. And, and like the first person I spoke to uh, about refugee entrepreneurship was a, um, a man who had just come from Syria. He was placed somewhere in the east of the country. He wanted to start a restaurant. He thought it would be better to do that in the West because of the population. But then his business, his case manager wouldn't help him there because he had to start it in, in the East. And he's like, no, I'm going to start it in the West. Uh, luckily, he had financing from some family member. His other cousin was a chef, so uh, he could work with them. And he just did it by himself. And luckily, that worked out. But it's a very exceptional story because he had a network that from country of origin that he could even use in the Netherlands. But I've also heard stories of uh, ZZ payers, the, the self, yeah, I don't know if you call them entrepreneurs, but um, self-employed who, you know, from Poland that got here, worked and, and got in severe financial trouble because they didn't realize they had to pay taxes uh, afterwards. And huge, huge debts that would add and add and add. So it's, yeah, they need an accountant. And then in The Hague, you have a bunch of accountants that work only for Polish people that charge ridiculous amounts of money to just do the accounting uh, every year. So there's a whole, it's it's not a black market because it's Mm -hmm. legal, but... It is kind of gray because the prices they charge because they only have this specific target group and they can exploit them because they don't speak Dutch. And so as Anne is saying, you have all these different people with different needs and there should be different support systems um, geared towards the needs and and the specific uh, questions. I, I do have to say that uh, uh, being from uh, Zimbabwe, an African country, that the Netherlands is very international. <laughs> you cannot spend 24 hours without meeting at least people from 20 different countries in a single day. And I know some municipalities even have nationalities well over 180s. I can imagine it's 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 incredibly challenging. <sighs> yes, no, yeah, no I I guess I, I, that's something to remember or to keep in mind. Yes. 
Yeah, and I was going to say, especially in the West, but that's also not true. Because yeah. of uh, placement of different of different job markets throughout the country. Yeah. And of course, when you're a small municipality, you have less people yeah. working to support. So then, you know, what seems to be less diversity, it might just be as complex because you have less people that can uh, support. Yeah. So yeah, I'm not, I'm correcting myself out loud, not just in the West. I understand. No, it makes sense. It can makes can sense. I ask a question, Jermaine? Yes, please. Absolutely. If we would have a magic wand and we could say like, oh, let's put in place the support the way we want it, what would it look like? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That for, for me, because I need it, I really need that magic wand. Um, I would say, yeah, I think it would be the, the, the bureaucratic process, you know, because at a municipal level, uh, the, the, the baseline information that I've got so far is geared towards the labor market itself, not entrepreneurship as such, because it's... Yeah it's least expected for refugees and migrants. Uh, Karine mentioned people from Poland as well. It's least expected that you would want to go in the entrepreneurship direction. So it would be good to know that where do you begin in the Netherlands context in terms of um, yeah, things to register for, services to pay for, um, I don't know, maybe a small little template to say, okay, this is a, I know the Cafe Cal, they have a website and they try to give you a step-by-step thing, but at some point it doesn't go as much as I would uh, love it to. I don't know if that makes sense. Oh, the Cafe Cal, the Chamber of Commerce uh, for yeah, English yeah, yeah. listeners. I think my magic wand would eliminate all the bureaucracy and start over again. And they're trying. <laughs> no, but they're trying. Like, uh, and that's not so much for entrepreneurship, but for toeslagen. Um, How do you call that? Um, uh, people who get additional support. Yeah, like if the housing. They they, they want to yeah. get. Yeah, I don't know how to explain it, but they want to eliminate those and start from a base that is, and then um, they can't okay. do it. They want to eliminate the the allow the benefits from the central government because it's too complex. So they want to have a less complex system where people get the benefits automatically instead of having to apply for it or something like that. But they can't do it. They can't go back to basics it seems like every time we want to improve something we add rules and regulations and so it doesn't improve it just becomes more complex so yeah, mine, because the well, every year you have yeah, to re yeah. redo them check if everything added up and it's <laughs> it's a bit of a nightmare yeah and yeah. then do you have to pay it back? Maybe you not. Pay well, back. first pay it back and then we'll double check. Oh. Uh, over they and over. They, 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 they can't solve for it. It only becomes more yeah. and more complex, it seems. Yeah. And especially if you, like me, if you're a part-time entrepreneur and a part-time yeah. employee, because your income's sort of, uh, they're never on the same rate. So... There's lots of double checkings, yeah, yeah. <laughs> refundings and paying backs to the tax to office. It's it's like you're playing ping pong and <laughs> yeah, but so yeah. much energy and so much time just in bureaucracy, and then that's if that I could show nice. you the. In fact, I do have my stack of paperwork. You know, just as an example, and I can't lift the whole thing, which is next to me. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, 
and and this is the, the thing that if your person if there is you have one thing which is huurtoeslag you can manage which is you know the additional but if you are a person that you have like oh well i work part-time and i have an enterprise part-time and i have a foundation also and i uh you i know, actually have do have a foundation i know you do. <laughs> <laughs> i know you do so there's all of that and then yeah. some people they have a kid that needs help or a partner who is ill and then you know the partner is ill but sometimes he feels good enough to work but he can't because yeah. he would lose that benefit and then all these things together if you have one it's feasible mm -hmm. if you have all of them and you see what oh, refugee is one of these things and then yeah it's easy for things to be added on and they don't fit they don't make sense and the idea is then like oh well um if you make a mistake it's fraud and you will be yeah fraud. yeah and then you have to send letters to protest against that and the stress so for me i wish also like it would just kind of go because the time i spent helping people with letters that they don't understand that i don't understand and my native tongue is dutch and that i don't know what to do with and we have to hunt for phone numbers and you're being referred to other departments who refer you to other departments and then you have to send a letter to another department the time but seriously the time that is yeah. spent on that yeah the time that is spent on on figuring yeah. this out at the moment when you in when you need support in your life when you're stressed when you need help and imagine the money that goes to all the people that have to check these things yeah it it yeah. seems like it's yes. quite a lot of work <laughs> yeah change from the and, and, and it's all about control and, and it should be about support. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like that's what the government is there for, to support and help and, and make sure your life is good. And it's much more now about making sure you're doing what they want you to do or controlling. Mm -hmm. uh, are you doing what you say you're doing? And I think yeah. that would be a very nice switch in mindset if we didn't start from the negative like oh we have to make sure you do what you're saying you do but if we start from how can we help you to achieve what you want to do yeah but yeah. that would be a different type of uh government maybe mindset true. we might get there <laughs> that's and so also, true yeah if people that work at the municipality because i know people there that are client managers that work really hard mm. it's i don't know it's just like there are these pernicious incentives yeah that when you want to do your work well you, you kind of go against what you want to achieve and yeah. i know people that that really try and do amazing work and work really hard yeah. and are so committed mm -hmm. yeah but the way the regulations are set up mm -hmm. it's yeah, it's, it's <laughs> doesn't achieve what we all want. Yeah, and these days uh, to go in a different aspect, inflation, inflation, inflation. <laughs> how yeah. are the entrepreneurs, to both of you, how are entrepreneurs that you're working with surviving? Uh, how are their, uh, let me not say struggles, but how are their, uh, initiatives going uh, in the light of the rising inflation that we've seen in the past uh, 12 months? I mean, we did this project, we started in 2020, and then it was COVID, COVID, COVID. Ah, yes. And there so was there was that. So people thought like, you know, whatever happens, we're going to wait. This is not a good time to start anything yeah uh, and then um 
yeah, and now you have this. So it has been going on for three years now? Quite some years. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's reminding me. I have a friend who had an exhibition, COVID hit, the exhibition never showed, it just never did at all. Like an entire year of, of, of artworks that just never showed. Mm. And I can imagine the labor put in to, to create, uh, you know, and it is an artist, you know, you really depend on the products that you make as your income and business. Mm. I, I did read a book uh, also this weekend um, with an academic who talked about COVID, who said like, we would need a healthcare system for little, mm -hmm. small and middle enterprises. Yeah. Like, uh, and he said, there is, it's what you said, Jermaine, there is some support to Kafika and there mm -hmm. is some here and some there. Yeah. But it is very fragmented and it doesn't, you know, like a healthcare system for the body, but then for your business, for that at every, at every moment there's a specialist that you can say, mm -hmm. oh, there's now this going on yeah. and you know where to reach. And that there's also like an overarching vision. Mm -hmm. um, so now that's also what we try to do. I try to do. <laughs> with uh, other organizations because sometimes we compete yeah. we say like hey is there a way that we can collaborate and what's our overarching vision for this healthcare system for small business owners mm -hmm. and how can we support them together and what is still lacking and how can we bring it in and how can yeah. we collaborate I stole that from the book from Juan Fra. I'm just uh, giving credit now. <laughs> <laughs> I understand. I've also heard of uh, a few months ago uh, something that was being called bread funds. I don't know if both, either of you or both of you have had experience with ZZ uh, Pierce uh, creating bread funds, which are sort of like this emergency networks that entrepreneurs create for themselves i didn't quite understand when somebody tried to explain to me i don't know the term what mm -hmm. mm -hmm. it's I'm, I'm googling it at this moment. Okay. It seemed <laughs> like uh, insurance by by entrepreneurs within a specific network, uh, uh, similar to Cash to Grow, and but yeah, without it being an organization, maybe uh, let's say artists, and they put money into. They called it a bread fund. And yeah, yeah for the long yeah. document, I never got time to read it, but it seemed like something that they were trying to do for entrepreneurs. I was going to mention cash to grow and, and saving groups, but that's something yeah. different. Yeah, yeah, no, you're right. You're right. It was, it was a savings group. Yeah. Okay. Savings. Yeah, yeah broad funds is for when you're ill as a ZZP that you can, that it's a kind of self-made insurance. And mm. yeah, I have never looked into that for refugees, but I think what, Chairman, you bring up a good point that it would be good for, yeah, and especially vulnerable entrepreneurs okay. to kind of, that we, me, would look into how to organize a more communal, approach yeah. and that's and that's also with the saving groups but of course then trust and 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 community again and we come back to that is yeah. very important because you can't set up a, a saving group just like that yeah and there are projects more and more projects on the topic of setting up saving groups for different groups of people 
how has that experience been like, Karen, for you? Uh, are savings groups doing well? I would, uh, I don't know. I think a lot of people find comfort in savings groups more than entrepreneurship, perhaps. I just know it from one colleague of mine who sets up different saving groups, savings groups. Mm-hmm. And, and, and she, it's a model that has been more... Um, implemented in well developing projects in in uh, african or south american countries mm-hmm. and so that model has been brought back to the netherlands by her um, okay. and it seems to be a very good way to save money for specific goals and 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 they are setting up more and more groups so it's it's it looks like a very viable way of communal saving and uh, for your specific goal. Oh, that's good to know. And, and the yeah. way it works is? You, you put in this... money, you, you form a saving group, so people you trust, and you all put in money mm-hmm. uh, on a weekly or monthly, I don't know, a certain amount. You all agree on those uh, amounts, and one of the group gets to use the money uh, every now and then and pay back. I think that's the real simple explanation of a saving group, but. Um, yeah, it's to get to larger amounts of money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I understand. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's interesting. There are some more communal approaches to yeah. entrepreneurship. And I know that's also what you, Karen, have been focusing yeah. on. And I think saving groups is one, the bread funds is a more, that's very- um, Would be interesting as well. Yes. Yeah. And uh, we were also looking at the social cooperative. Um, where entrepreneurs also work together. So there are different forms. Uh, and and there are also more and more academics looking into that because you're so vulnerable as an yeah. entrepreneur. And everybody notices like, oh, but I need an accountant and I may need an assistant, but what if I do this with three <laughs> people? We can share an assistant and accountant and maybe we can get a better price for this and this and this. Yeah. So it, it makes sense in a way. Yeah. Well, and okay. even, you know, in more basic co- collaboration, like, oh, I'm a very good web designer. You are very good in languages. So... You know, I'll help you with your web. Please help me with my language. And in that way, it can be much more basic also to to collaborate and and work together from that community uh, point of view, as in the social uh, cooperation. So essentially, we need a new business network, a countrywide network, maybe some kind of... uh, a website where you can easily search who's doing what. Uh, I don't know. Things like that. Maybe not just for artists only. Eh? Yeah, because I was also, you know, um, it would be good for artists to work with other entrepreneurs and for entrepreneurs to have graphic designers around. And, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But yeah, the, the trick is to find the way that it's exactly going to work. But I think yeah. you're right. Like, you know, for the moment, the business model canvas doesn't allow to look at network, doesn't allow to look at community. Mm-hmm. So this would be really yeah. interesting to develop further. Yeah, it will be. It will be. The podcast was produced by the World Makers Foundation for the project Enter to Transform. And that's a project that wants to support refugees to start up their company or their business in a new country, in their new home country. And Enter to Transform is a collaboration between partners from Germany, the Netherlands, Ireland, and France, um, where we develop hubs and mentoring tools. And the Dutch partners are used art organization and the world makers. 
and the project is uh, financially supported by Interrecht Northwest Europe. And this podcast was made with great thanks to Sunny Germain and to Karen. Thank you. Thanks.